the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Welcome to hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. Right before the end of the program yesterday, I shared with you audio from Steve McCraw, the top law enforcement officer in Texas, and it was extremely hard to hear about the failures at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, where 19 children and two teachers were murdered in mid-May by an 18-year-old shooter. We've heard so many conflicting reports about what happened that day, how it happened. And I'm amazed at the law enforcement response. And I'm also amazed that Senator John Cornyn of Texas has yielded to the desperate plea of most people in the aftermath of that shooting, begging for him, as he said, to do something. I understand the sentiment behind do something. Basically, what you really mean when you say do something is undo what's happened or do do whatever guarantees this will never happen again. Neither of those things can be done. You cannot undo what has been done in Columbine, in Newtown, in Uvalde, in Parkland. It cannot be undone. And every single time it happens, there are cries to do something, and very often something is done, and then another place takes its position on that litany of horrific schools where young people are murdered by a deranged individual. This is because... Evil people, demented people, demonic people will always find a way to do evil. You cannot predict how they will act because you do not think like they do. That's just a fact. People who are possessed by that much evil, as Salvador Ramos was, as Dylan Klebold was, as the other school shooters are, as any mass shooter is, by definition, are not thinking rationally. If you can think so little of human life that you will take human life from people who you do not even know to satisfy whatever degree of vengeance you have for whatever reason you have it, it is not something you're going to be able to legislate against. And in almost every case, except for Columbine, because that was the first and no one saw it coming, 
nor could anyone have seen it coming. There have been procedures in place that if perfectly followed, what happened wouldn't have happened. So Senator John Cornyn at Texas is saying, yeah, we're going to have this new bill that's now gotten a bunch of Republicans on board with it. And we're going to beef up red flag laws and we're going to offer incentives to states to do the same. And we're going to satisfy, (laughs) we're going to box check, hey, we did something. Even though what they are about to do, assuming the House passes the bill and assuming Joe Biden signs it, and he will, and he'll trumpet it, and he'll take a victory lap for something that's completely ineffective, completely unnecessary, all cosmetic, all it will result in is the erosion of rights for people who aren't predisposed to do this kind of thing. That's it. Predictably, of course, Rob Portman is one of the senators who signed from the Republican side. He's right there with Mitt Romney, right there with Lisa Murkowski, right there with Susan Collins, right there with the rhinos. That's why I can't wait for Rob Portman to be out of the Senate and hopefully for J.D. Vance to be in. The only way that Ohio is worse off with Rob Portman not as a senator is if Tim Ryan succeeds him. That's the only way. So more details because, okay, so this bill they're going to pass and this bill that's going to become law would not have stopped the shooter in Uvalde from being able to buy his guns and do what he did. It would not have stopped it. But we'll do something. What needed to happen was for officers who were on the scene three minutes Three minutes after the shooter went into the room, what was needed was for those officers to do something, to do what they were trained to do, to do what everyone has agreed since Columbine must be done, which is to confront the shooter as soon as possible. This was not done at Parkland either. So here's Steve McGraw, the top cop in Texas, talking about how quickly this horrific event could have been stopped. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was a sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. So that's awful. So is it equally awful how long the officers waited before they went in. One error, 14 minutes and 8 seconds. That's how long the children waited and the teachers waited in rooms 111 to be rescued. And while they waited, the on-seat commander waited for radio and rifles. Then he waited for shields. Then he waited for SWAT. Lastly, he waited for a key that was never needed. Okay, so we've heard a lot of things about this day that have proven to be wrong. We've heard the door that the shooter entered to get into the school was propped open. It was not propped open. Uh, But it didn't lock as it was supposed to. We've heard the door to the classroom was locked. It was not locked. 
In fact, and this seems to me to be at least worthy of examination, uh, it says this door was not designed to be locked from the inside as a safety measure. I would think you would want the doors to lock from the inside. Sure, the shooter could lock himself in a room, but every other teacher could lock the door so he couldn't get into a room. But the door to the classroom was not locked. There was no key needed. Now, you heard him say the on-scene commander. That's Pete Arredondo. Pete Arredondo is not the police chief of Uvalde, Texas. Pete Arredondo is the police chief of Uvalde schools. He's the school cop. The disconnect here, the failing here, and this to me is unfathomable, is that while Border Patrol officers and Texas Rangers and state police and Uvalde police all responded to this scene, the on-scene commander remained the Uvalde School Police Chief Pete Arredondo. How is that possible? I do not think there's any measure by which a school police officer can be viewed as elite an officer, as someone who is a city police officer, a state police officer, or a federal police officer. I would think the second that someone showed up from any of those particular police agencies, Pete Arredondo would have been relieved of command. And in fact, there were reports that he testified five hours before this Texas committee yesterday and that Pete Arredondo said he didn't realize that he was in command, that he was waiting. He was waiting like for other people to do something because he thought he was not in command. So this is a communication, an epic, an epic Communication failure. But I understand why the people of Uvalde are completely up in arms about this. We deserve better. Our children deserve better. And those teachers deserve better. Please, we're begging. Get this man out of our lives. Yeah, that's a mom who lost a daughter and she's screaming at Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin and the city council to get rid of Pete Arredondo. McLaughlin also, and this this thing just gets worse and worse and worse and worse, he, the mayor of Uvalde, is saying that uh, the top investigative people in the state of Texas aren't shooting square on this. The gloves are off. We, if we, as we know it, we will share it. We are not going to hold back anymore. We kept quiet at the request because we thought we were doing a formal and investigation and doing the right thing. But yet, they can go to Austin and have public deals and talk about it and different things and not share anything with this city. Yeah, I mean, this is a... You would hope that in the aftermath of something this despicable, this horrific, that the families could be spared the what-ifs and the blame game. And they could focus simply on recovering from their grief. But that's not going to be possible now with one authoritative agency pitted against another. So we were talking about the failures in Uvalde, Texas, and understandably the grief that the parents feel. 
and they won't be able to focus on recovering from that grief as long as there are questions and uh, repeated admissions that there were dramatic failures in the police response. Uh, This is becoming more and more prevalent throughout our society. The Uvalde shooting takes precedence because we can all empathize with the uh, horrific nature of 19 children being shot to death by a crazed lunatic and two teachers as well. But it's happening in so many major cities where prosecutors who I guess think their job is to be a public defender uh, are super soft on crime and people who should be in prison are not in prison. And then when they're not in prison, they commit more crimes and often worse crimes. This is why San Francisco recalled prosecutor Chesa Bodine. This is why George Gascon in Los Angeles also faces recall and why the DA in Philly is facing it as well. Uh, City Law Director Zach Klein here in Columbus, Mayor Andrew Ginther, Council President Shannon Harden, they're just fortunate. And I would add Judge Eileen Paley to that. They are fortunate that their ineptitude on managing the safety of the citizenry in central Ohio, they're just fortunate that they don't have a headline case that leaps up there where people could go, hey, wait a second, wait a second, you mean this is going on there? Well, we're going to get to the bottom of this, and we're going to get rid of this person. They're just, they're just, they're just lucky. That's all. They're just lucky because they're practicing the same sort of soft on crime policies that we see explode when two cops get killed in Los Angeles because George Gascon yesterday came out to answer questions about the El Monte police officers who were shot to death by a career criminal. Uh, William Flores was out on probation. He was a felon. He had a gun. The authorities knew he had a gun. They arrested him for having a gun. Sentencing guidelines say he should have been in jail for three years. He got 20 days and two years probation. And then he shot and killed two cops. Gascon said yesterday, he was arrested for the possession of drugs, possession of a gun. He could have, even under my directives, he could have gone to jail. As a matter of fact, The case had been set to trial. It was very possible he could still be waiting for a trial date. He was on bail, out on bail, and that he had not demonstrated a history of violence. Uh, He was a felon, and he had a gun, and he's not allowed to have a gun as a felon. Why do you think a felon has a gun? I'm just, you know, taking a wild guess. He's probably thinking about doing something violent. If, as a felon who was not allowed to have a gun, he actually has a gun. Now, Larry Krasner is the DA in Philadelphia. The House GOP in Pennsylvania has a recall initiative underway for him. The headline case in Philadelphia, well, there are numerous ones. But when you hear from the victims' families, you understand the anger. Nikisha Billa is a mom who had a 21-year-old son. He went to the mall to buy clothes for a job interview. And he was murdered at the mall. Here she is 
explaining on Fox what she wants to happen to the Philadelphia DA, Larry Krasner. The crime has to stop. The violence has to stop. Um, it is very important that our voices are heard. The victims, the families, voices are heard for change to occur, for repeat offenders to be held accountable for their actions. Um, we're suffering. We're losing our, our children um, left and right here in Philadelphia, and accountability and change has to happen. There's another dad in Philadelphia who is trying to get over the death of his 15-year-old son. He spoke yesterday. His name is John Toomey at a press conference, at a public press conference, where the effort to recall Krasner uh, was the topic of the day. The yeah, DA's so. culpable. He's, it's not his, his responsibility to act as a defense attorney for those who were in jail. They already get a defense attorney. That's already taken care of. He's culpable to us. Who's going to bring him back to me? Who's going to bring my boy? I shall impeach this son of a Nobody's going to bring that gentleman's son back to him. And Larry Krasner is going to continue to do the work of, as John Toomey said, a public defender, not a district attorney. A district attorney is charged with putting bad people behind bars. And too often this argument is framed as a Democratic versus Republican issue. Soft on crime versus hard on crime. Republicans are too hard on crime. Democrats are too soft on crime. You really have to have a special level of partisanship to see this as a battle of right and left, as opposed to a battle of right and wrong. Here's Nikisha Billa again, making that point eloquently. I just ask that, you know, the the impeachment that is is going forward, I want to make it very clear. I come from a bipartisan approach. Mm -hmm. Um, I want everyone to come together collectively. Whatever needs to be done, whatever changes need to take place, we need this. Um, It's not about a Democrat party. It's not about a Republican party. It's it's not about division because this is affecting everyone, all parties. So if it starts with impeachment and and to have um, Mr. Krasner out of the office, to bring someone else in to effectively um, protect the people the citizens of Philadelphia, then, I, then by all means necessary, because we are tired of losing our children, our loved ones in the streets of Philadelphia. And she need not restrict that, of course, to the city of Philadelphia. We're tired of it here in Columbus. We had a 14-year-old stabbed to death last week. We got a 15-year-old charged with murder. Over and over and over again, I look at headlines every day of someone who lost their life. Ohio. Doesn't matter where, doesn't matter if it's Montgomery County, Franklin County, Cuyahoga County. They're almost always under 30 years of age. Their life's ahead of them. Should be, but it's not. Uh, Victor Davis Hanson is a guy I respect. He had thoughts on this last night. We'll share those with you next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.